Welcome to Keeping Athena Company. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Uh, my name is Athena Kavenu. I'm a stand-up comedian, writer, and podcaster, and parent. Being a parent is lots of fun. I'm having a great time, but my child doesn't speak, so <laughs> the child doesn't speak. The child just sits here. She just stares at me. Sometimes she makes noises like, or whatever. So to stop me from losing my mind, I invite a mate around to come around for something to eat and a coffee yep. and a chat. So welcome to my kitchen. Oh, see, sorry, my mum's kitchen. It's a lovely kitchen. <laughs> my mum's lovely kitchen. Faye Tracy. Hello. Hello. Thank you for coming. You're more than welcome. You're looking very Hello. summery today. I'm feeling quite summery. Really? Went... Why? Why are you feeling summery? Well, I went for a run earlier. Oh, I did nice. three late gigs and I had beers after, so I had to run out the alcohol. Right. That was the general plan. So I did a. Lot. I only did four k. Oh, only four k. Yeah. Well, you know what? You got go leave this kitchen right now. Top it up to be a nice round five k. <laughs> um, no, that's good. That's balance because. Yeah. So you worked, drank whilst you're working or after? Uh, I had two beers before. I have to be <laughs> this honest. This is like confession. Yeah, no, I might felt change bad. this into Sunday confessional. Well, it's just like, uh, can I admit? Like, I, I, I did radio, and obviously don't drink before radio. Oh, can you not like driving a train or, or being a pilot? Isn't it? Yeah, you just don't wanna. I can't. A podcast, you don't have Ofcom. <laughs> oh, right. On true. radio. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, like, I like having a beer before you go on stage. And if you're in the same venue and you're doing three shows, I find you drink two. But any more than two on stage, you'll lose your sensitivity. Oh, okay. I think. Personally. I never drink before I go on stage. Never. And especially now, I don't drink so much because I was pregnant and you're not supposed to drink. I want to um, get pregnant just so I get boobs for once. Oh my gosh. Oh, I just my, want listen, boobs. Listen, my boobs are so big. And talking of boobs, I'm going to have to put one. <laughs> Brief breastfeeding interlude, right? She's latched on <laughs> drinking. I don't drink before gigs. I get lightheaded. I, ch- I chat shit. I can't I, do it. I remember starting and you never would have a drink. But I you said, that's because I was broke as well. But you didn't want to drink in front of people. You said, you, I only like to drink. He's, I remember you said this to me in a bar with people I know. When I used to go out drinking a lot, I used to think it's really odd that people just drink with anyone. Because yeah. it's like, drinking is quite expensive. Drinking for the crack is good, but like, if I'm not your friend, I can't go and spend 50 quid in this bar oh, and yeah. get trashed. Especially because I chat a lot of shit when I was done. Like, you know, what happens in the bar has got to stay in the bar. But if you're with somebody you don't know very well... Yeah. Uh, See, the music world's quite different. So when you're doing gigs, you get a green room and you get a rider. Right. And if you're in a band and like things, and it's always you finish your house and you go for drinks. It's always quite laddy. Right. So I came kind of from that... Into, oh. But I understand what you mean in terms of I don't go to cocktail bars. Jesus yeah, Christ. and I think if the drink's free as well, it's a bit different. So I've had a few green room beers, but mm-hmm. in generally speaking, and I used to drive a lot as well when I did comedy. So that, that would probably bit. save my liver. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about your music. Are you a rock star? I'm not a rock star. I'm a trombonist, but You're I try. I wanted to be a rock star. Did you want to be a rock star? I know. I used to play bass at Brit school, being like just slapping like a everything. bass guitar. Yeah. Okay. I was like, I want to be Flea from the Chili Peppers. <laughs> And I was like, nah. I kind of like, I did all the auditions at the same time as like Adele and stuff. And yeah. I obviously, I was like, you get to Brit at 16. I was like, oh, I just sing in tune. <laughs> That's not being able to be but a lead vocalist. But you're finger work, obviously. Yeah, like trombone stuff and piano. So there I played bass and piano right. and then went to music college on trombone. Okay. Did the classical course, which was mental because I knew nothing really that much about classical music. But you still got into the Royal Academy. Yeah. Right? Which I understand is a very good academy. It's not a pauper's academy. It's a Royal Academy. so posh. Like, at Brit school like I grew up in Croydon state school Brit school I had the orchestral instrument and I came from the convent school yeah and so I was seen as the posh kid because I had speech therapy as a kid so I'm quite well spoken there's a lot going on here yeah uh, but, and then I got to academy <laughs> and I would 
wouldn't have been more common. And I was like, I just can't win on the class it's, thing. Yeah, class is an odd thing, especially when you spent a bit of time in America, didn't you? Yeah, after Academy for one year. Oh, yeah. that was after Royal yeah. Academy, okay. So yeah, class is a weird thing for me because we were broke, but still like my mum thought we were posh. Yeah. So I've realised that even though financial barriers will definitely hold you back from things, what you can get from expectation mm. can often make up for that. So we were expected to go to uni, we were expected to be professionals, we were expected to kind of like have a future that involved very traditional kind of middle yeah. class things. my parents were teen parents right. and then when they had my older sisters Vicky and Laura and then when I was born they started doing respite care foster care and stuff right. as well but my sisters were the first ones to go to uni definitely right. like oldest one became a nurse now works in public health and the other yeah. one's a physio and now works in public health wow and, and you're a musician and radio presenter. broadcaster oh yeah. radio presenter I don't know I am a broadcaster uh, I've written that on Twitter I'm a broadcaster okay, I guess that's true. what I am but I present on the new Scala radio channel. Okay, we're going to go back to that. I still want to talk about you want to be a rock star. Okay. Okay, so who were your favourite bands when you were younger that inspired you to have this dream? <sighs> okay, uh, Rolling Stones. Absolutely okay. love them. Pink Floyd, Led Zepp, The Police. Um, I was then trying to be an indie kid. I think when I was about 15, the first live gig I went and saw was like Blink-182 or like <laughs> Less Than Jake down at Brixton. Get the bus from Croydon. Um... And then I guess I got into like Nina Simone and all my big band singers. Right. And it was the bass guitar. Ella Fitzgerald. Yeah. Well, she's probably one of my favourites. Yeah. I think Ella, Sarah Vaughan and Janis Joplin okay. randomly are yeah. one of my favourites. That's not actually random. I think anybody who likes um, female vocalists mm. always ends up like, you always end up throwing Janis Joplin into the thing. Oh, my was... one was Minnie Ripperton. <gasps> Yeah, great. I, when I first, I was fairly, I was too old to have heard of her, but I should have known. If each, everyone should know about her, right? Yeah, I must have been a, like an old teenager by the time I understood she existed, and yeah. that opened up a world to like the seventies and sixties that I hadn't really explored before outside of disco. Yeah, because <laughs> my dad was a punk, so I grew up listening to a lot of punk stuff with right. my dad, and then I liked the trombone because on the B side was all the two tone. Oh, I see. And then okay. I heard like Rico and the Specials and things like that, and I was just like, "What's this sound?" I was. It's very different, like, uh, two-tone to American Scar, I think. Right, so would you say, so was that why you became, well, musically inclined because of your dad? Yeah, definitely. I liked music. I just, and it was the first thing I was quite good at. Right. Like, I was really dyslexic, so I couldn't, I was, I failed year two sats, but they got me a cornet because they got, gave, like, free instruments, and then I moved on to trombone because it was, like, a near extinct instrument for free. Right, And I did, like, grade five before I left primary school. So I was like... That's really advanced. Yeah, I went really fast, whereas couldn't spell my surname. <laughs> okay, so music is your language. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I got the music stuff until I got to the Royal Academy of Music and they're like, the year I got in, I practiced six hours a day to get in. And then a 12-year-old won Young Musician of the Year on trombone. Right. And he's like Prince with London Symphony Orchestra. Alright, what do you want? Do you want the other boob? Oh my gosh. Gonna Does she have a favourite one or? <laughs> Good. It's a bit like a man. Oral on it. People who don't understand what that's about, I just said if I stick a breast in my child's mouth, she goes quiet. Hence, just like a man. <laughs> and I can't argue with that, like, at all. It's true, but I don't have boobs, so I'm always just like, you can take both. <laughs> Yeah, you, you, you'd be surprised. Apparently, the size of your boobs doesn't dictate how much milk you have. Did you know this? Oh. So just just so you know, like you don't... How have, does that? Because I would have thought... 
it's because of all the little, the ducks um, eventually ex- they expand anyway. I don't really know why that's the case biologically, but that is the case. Like I'd never seen the inside of a breast until that thing that went around on Facebook <gasps> that got really popular with all the... And I, I was like, how did I not know that? Okay. We're really muscly. I am trypophobic. You know what that is? Like ba- scared of the insides? Yeah, a little bit. So scared of like certain pictures that are holy and quite organic... That picture is the epitome of what tripophobic people cannot look at. Okay. It's the most hidden... And also, I used to see it a lot because whilst I was breastfeeding in the early days, it was quite fascinating. And I wanted to know how to make more milk. And when that picture came up at like three in the morning while she was cluster feeding, I was just itching for days. Oh, no. Still, it's really odd. But I, anyway, I keep talking about tripophobia because a lot of people that know it exists or that it's got a name. When I found out it had a name, I was like, there's more of us. I so in like Hannibal when he cuts open the brain, things like that, you yeah that one I can manage it's quite it's mainly all I can say is if it's holy and if it's bitty I don't like it okay um if you google tripophobia you'll see the exact images that comes up uh the images that come up are the exact things that we don't like to look at I want to I want to start a tripophobia anonymous group I feel like the internet the internet isn't kind to us because every now and again you open twitter and you'll see something like that and you can't go on the internet for the the day um, it's just, I, <laughs> I need that I basically need to develop that so I can get over my social media addiction yes that's what you okay so we, I think if you can get it by looking at these pictures I don't know yeah um, or you can just get over your addiction by just not charging your phone mm. yeah I know it's really bad I feel like I'm too obsessed with my phone what makes you feel like you're obsessed with your phone like I always have it well I mean it's over there now and I'm fine when I'm in <laughs> like if I've got a gig or I've got a recording session turn it off put it to the side yeah but, like, the rest of the time, it's like, I, what I realised, it was a problem, is that I realised I wake up and I check social media as one before a coffee. Right. And I've been trying to get that out of my brain to not go on social media before I go out for a run. Yeah. And have, like, normal morning routine. Yeah. Without I, the... I regret not being able to wait without checking my phone. You know, if I look at the bus stop and the bus stop, the bus, you know, um, the countdown thing on a bus says that the bus will be three minutes. I go, three minutes? Yeah. I check, and I, I regret my brain not being able to just rest yeah, it's for true. three minutes. I've lost a lot of patience because of social media. I'm addicted to social media too. And the weird thing is I'm addicted to it, but I've definitely cut down my use, if that makes sense. I'm, I'm addicted to just preying. Yeah. I just spy on people. I'm addicted to just going through the timeline and thinking what people uh, are saying. Yeah. I do that more probably on Twitter, but Twitter, I think, is more arguments all the time. Facebook, I've been unfollowing people for about three years now. It's been my new I'm fun game. Yeah. <laughs> it's my new fun game to do, mainly with stand-ups. Oh, <laughs> what kind of thing will stand-ups make you... Stand-ups and trumpet players, where what... I'm just like, okay. <laughs> what kind of thing will make you unfollow or mute a person on social media? Essays. I don't care that much about what you're feeling today. Like, and also there's hundreds of people in Edinburgh. I don't need a diary essay or I've done it. I know it's shit sometimes and I know it's amazing sometimes. I don't need to know. I don't need to know what your favourite drink is. It's, your favourite bar. Yeah, like I just... Whether you had a good... How many people were in your room. Yeah, yeah. or it's just like, oh, it's all, yeah, the same kind of... You, everyone's in Edinburgh is doing the same kind of jokes. Like, oh, I had Kate Middleton in the audience. It was packed out. I've got a Netflix special, you know, and you're just yeah. like, like either going one way or 
it's depressing. Always depressing. Two people came in, but it's a great show. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> and you think, oh, bless you. No, I, I, my feeling of it is that having, I mean, we've both been to Edinburgh. What you can do is you can end up so far up your own asshole. <laughs> that's kind of all you can do um, a lot of it is so I decided I was having a conversation with someone yesterday actually yeah. and I said to be do well in a lot of creative industries you've got to be narcissistic um, it's true and I hate that yeah and what I, and I actually started to do better once I became narcissistic so once I started talking about myself putting up selfies so what I try and do is I think I try and think to myself okay this is ridiculous no one gives a fuck that I sold out but if someone sees it and they might offer me a gig, so looks- I try and balance my ego. Yeah, I'm being a massive with- hypocrite. My yeah. Instagram is busy. I'm constantly on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just but I keep it business. I step back I, yeah. from because that's just for people you know or like you know what I mean. Industry see stuff on Instagram and Twitter and followers. Your and- Facebook page ain't being seen by no one. There's a lot no, of um, it's just middle aged men who follow me on Facebook as well. So it's just like. <laughs> Oh, well, there's man. a lot of men in comedy. I know, and in the music world, when you're a trombonist, the Glenn Miller tour was enough for me. Because <laughs> I've gotten a new, a load of new fans. So let's talk about tours, because you do a lot of music tours. Yeah. Let's talk about, so what, what in what capacity are you on tour as a trombonist? So yeah, like I, I did like just freelance kind of stuff. Right. So last year I went on tour for about like three or four months around Spain and Portugal with the Glenn Miller band. Mm. And that was really fun. Like, I like the music. Talk, not everyone's going to know who Glenn Miller is. So okay. Oh, trombone this. Like, think, um... I know that song. Yeah, yeah. in the mood, like, uh, really twee. He died in a plane crash. Um, <laughs> but his band is still keeping his memory um, strong. Yeah, so there's a, like, will be a Glenn Miller band in Germany, a Glenn Miller. So I was in the UK one. Oh, like, it's like franchises, like McDonald's yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so you Glenn just Miller. go out and do all of his music. And so we had, like... Yeah, so there was four dancers as well out, which they were really cool, doing tap kind of stuff. And then you would have, like, the close harmony, three backing singers and the main crooner right at the front. Okay. And then you have a big band. So I know what happens on tour stays on tour, but is there something that can, like... <laughs> is there a story? Not on that tour. At the end of that tour, I was like, I'm done with the middle-aged men. <laughs> like, so many of them were worried about my fertility over breakfast. Oh, my you God. You know, and you were just like, oh, like, it just got to the... I mean, I was the youngest by, like, a good 18, 20 years actually just me and another trumpet player and we were like wow and um, just to be clear what was their specific concern about your fertility I think it's when they when they found out I was approaching 30 and right. that I was single and they were like but you're a wonderful woman you're gonna run out of time and I was like but I'm fine and they were like and they were like I was like but I'm on the same gig as you I'm enjoying my working life my number one priority wasn't always <laughs> the baba <laughs> I do want one maybe one day but I was a bit like it's not your choice to tell me over yeah, coffee at breakfast I, a lot of it is a lot of it's patriarchy mm. and their own misogyny but a lot of people just don't know what to say to g- women do you know what I mean yeah. or let's talk about the weather or politics or sport yeah it's like they're... we're in Barcelona let's talk about Catalan right, let's have yeah. this conversation but yeah that was a thing I got a bit drunk I left them sorry this is a running thing we didn't have a show that day they were really pissing me off at breakfast Yeah. so I went out with one of the singers and we just went and had like a tapas lunch and then I was like wandering around and I realised I was in the Catalan protests oh brilliant and I had no idea at the time and I was just wondering I was like Scottish independence <laughs> but it was yeah it was you kind of got yourself arrested I know it was a really dumb move but it was just quite entertaining and I was like oh I didn't realize this was going on well it's funny because I was in Barcelona and I, I just caught the tail end of it mm. I'm all up for it I don't think 
Um, it makes sense for Catalonia to be independent, but I think it, it makes sense for them to articulate they're a different part of Spain. There's a different culture. Um, yeah, well, there's loads of different regions of Spain, isn't precisely. there? Precisely. So, so and I think if every now and again they remind us, I don't really have a problem with that. I think, yeah, it's, I think it's a little bit like Scotland. If Catalan left, they Catalan had all the money. So mm. it's a bit like if we'd lost Scotland with the oil. I felt I really understood Scottish independence, but it was a part of me just being like, I'm so glad they didn't. Yeah. Because imagine now Brexit... Well, if Scotland had left. The biggest argument that people gave to Scotland for remaining in the Union was to remain in the EU. Mm. Well, if you leave the Union, you're going to leave the EU. Wouldn't that be a disaster? What happens a year later? These fuckers vote to leave. So I think there's a lot of legitimacy in having a second independence referendum in Scotland. We always ashamed. thought we were called Scottish. And it was only until we were burying my gran. Like, my, my cousin was there. And we found out that she was born in Essex. And he was like, but I thought... I was half Pakistani, half half Scottish, and then it turns out they're actually half Indian. Right, that's, it. That, that's no it. one's. Maybe they were Indian before the partition, so maybe it's just a matter of the border. I, yeah, I don't know. Like I was, I went out with my cousin Tom Lee like half a month, and I was like, I'm so sorry. I always thought you were Pakistani all my life, and I also thought you and Ian had the same dad. So now I'm like, no. Well, there's a, <laughs> and, lot, of, there's a lot of messed up history because of Anglo Ang- Indian populations. So yeah, yeah. Who knows where he didn't. Like he was like, I didn't know either. <laughs> so he does he? So where is he from? He, he's staying in India. Okay, but they don't know much. Okay, like. If he sees his dad, but like it just, it just all seems a bit. It could just be like what. Well, but anyway, diversity is diversity. It's good for it, apparently um, the the compulsion for humans to have babies with people that look like them is for genetic diversity, uh, and it keeps us healthy. Yeah. So what I'm saying is you're. Live so, a long life because there's something you know. There's a bit of a mix in there. My child's Nigerian, Ghanaian, Indian. What else is in there? Genetically, Nigerian. Ghanaian Indian oh yeah that's, that's three it's a bit of a I've got, I think well it's English Irish Spanish I've just been on tour with Hackney Colliery okay and they're um, so they're a British band okay. uh, I think they're a very white band <laughs> but they've taken Hackney Colliery and they're not northern you know okay. and you're just kind of like but but they do New orleans kind of style Okay, stuff. and they've just had a new tour, like a collaboration, and so it's really cool music. If you like brass bands, yeah, check Hackney out. They're one of probably the biggest touring in what, the UK. Hackney Colliery brass Hackney band. Colliery brass bands did Ronnie Scotts, and that was really oh fun. yeah, amazing. Um, so like yeah, then like New Orleansy, and then we've got the British brass band tradition, which is like the Northern thing, Grindful thing, yeah. brass. So when I think British Jerusalem, I think um, yeah. oh okay, I was thinking of Northern Soul. <laughs> uh, no, no, um, these are the miners. They would need something to do, so they were given brass instruments right. back in the day. Okay. And it's a very working class um, uh, thing, brass bands. So that's what I quite like about it compared to other music. Yeah, like, like it's a sort of strings. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, like, all kid goes, Mummy, I want to learn the harp. Right. And then go and get, like, being bought, like, a 30 grand harp. Like, no one at music college who played harp was poor. Yeah. Which... <laughs> or they were Welsh. <laughs> What is it with Wel- with the Welsh and harps? I think it's because it's a Celtic thing. It's the same with a little Irish harp as well. Oh, okay. So little smaller harps. I think it's you know, oh like the little fake, ones, the yeah, mini harps. Yeah, yeah, they're folk music kind okay. of thing. Wales have a great music tradition. Their choirs and stuff are incredible. Yeah, because there's a stereotype: sing like a Welshman. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> let's um, let's talk about your radio show. 
Yeah, you host the radio show on Scarlet FM. I'll yeah. tell you a little story. Do you know Simon Mayo? Um, well, I do now. You do now. When I went to the interview, they were like, uh, we've got this guy to do this flagship. He's going to be like the big presenter. And when it's a man called Simon Mayo. And I went, who? <laughs> Which is not the way to start an interview because I didn't really do radio or anything before. I, yeah. I listened to Absolute when I was a kid or XFM in the car, Capital. Yeah. A bit of Radio 4 if a friend's written something. <laughs> I know as a comedian, that's really bad. I've always just found it a little bit of highbrow. So when we went and had our first meeting with all the presenters, she was like, tell Simon you didn't know who he was. And I was like, I know that's not a good idea. I know that much etiquette. But they needed a musical comedian. Maybe they couldn't afford Rachel Paris. I don't know. Anyway, so I get this and I do a demo and then I get this gig and it's with like Anthea Turner. Yeah. Goldie was on it. Mark Kermode, the film critic. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm like one of the non-celebs, but I get to do the like six to eight Saturday to Sunday. But you're a celeb now. Oh, it's a new thing. I'm a celeb to middle-aged men. That's, middle-aged men love that's me. That's pretty much who runs the country. I think if middle-aged, if, I think if middle-aged men watch it or listen to it, it gets commissioned. We got so. our numbers, so we're on like a quarter of a million. But I think the demographic is mainly male and I'm presuming white. <laughs> Which is interesting because it's like classical and I would have thought that's not very gendered. Yeah, but it was so it was just more like Simon's one of the biggest. Yeah. Oh, we've got Angelica Bell on it as well. She's, yeah. She does the Saturdays. And so you've got Amphi and you've got Sam Hughes. Who's Sam Hughes? Uh, she does it during the day. Who's a presenter? So it's quite gender balanced. Yeah, they're trying to. Yeah, yeah. I think it's more because it's digital and guys like their gadgets. Mm. I don't know. But the Simon thing's funny. So like, I'm 37. I didn't realise I was old until one day I real. I used to work outside of London, so I'd drive to work every yeah. day. I was working in Bedford at the time, and I'd drive home and I'd listen to drive time and then mm-hmm. after a while I just thought oh my god I spent the last year listening to Radio 2 drive time I'm fucking old um, Simon Mayo used to do the drive time so mm-hmm. that's how I knew him and the way these shows work they have like these segments and you just get really into these segments and if you listen every day it's almost like you listen to your mate and you yeah you get into the features yeah so, you, so like Simon's big thing is the confessions oh is he, is he doing that on Scarlet? yeah it's brought over to Scarlet. yeah so like that was I loved confessions so in my car if there was like a traffic jam on the M1 yeah I wouldn't mind because I thought I used to think the confessions were great I like yeah I like and I like getting that regular build up that rapport with someone mm. I mean poor Simon he's been set Scientology are trying to get Simon at the moment apparently we got like a big crate to the studio what are they all, like, docu- no documents oh. about Scientology and all this weird <laughs> reading material why do you think they're trying to get Simon Mayo and not you he's- I mean, well, he's a name. Oh, Oh, yeah, I I mean, like, I mean, I don't think I'd be very good inside. You know, like, I've been watching The Handmaid's Tale, for example, and I'm like, I would be out in the, whatever they're calling it, the... The colonies. Yeah, that would be me. Like, there's no way anyone would keep me as a maid. It's remarkably difficult to rebel against that kind of thing, because the violence... It's so violent. It's like you protect your body. It's your natural instinct to protect your body. So then you think, okay, how can I cause the least harm to my body? And that will get that will make you do all kinds of shit. I don't know if I'd be a handmaid, but I don't know if I'd be that girl threatening to throw a baby off a bridge. Well, I don't either. know if you would be a handmaid. I think we think we're, we need to be in our twenties. Oh, right. oh yeah, I've um, I've yeah, and I've already used up my one good egg. They'll be like. I mean, you know, it's just yeah, a kind of. It's like not... it was being like with witches and stuff back in the day. There is yeah. no way, like. 
I once took a bunch of truffles and I looked in the mirror and I was like, saw all my past lives. Well, that's what I thought. I'm <laughs> tripping, basically. And I was looking at it, it was just like mud on my face and then like paint. When, when you say truffles, you mean mushrooms? Yeah. Okay. And I was like, I knew I was a Celtic warrior, like back in the day. I was like, I was a fighter. I knew it. But there is no way that like, I think it, like medieval times, I just would, no, I'd have been a witch. You, But they'd burn you at the stake. Or burn drown. to death. I'd rather drown. Because apparently that's euphoric. I'd rather drown than be burnt at the stake. Because how long would it take? Like, do you know, sometimes you're frying up something and it's just like, God, these onions are taking so long. You'd like, hope you just pass like? out for the smoke, wouldn't you? Um, yeah, you, I would hope so. Um, so yeah. But there's something euphoric apparently happens when you drown. But, but you know when people say that and you're like, how, how do, you, do know? you know? Yeah, you survived. You're euphoric because they fished you out of the water. Well, some of them would get shark bites and stuff. Apparently, your body is reaction as well. Like, it was... Um, how do I hear this? But it was someone who lost their leg or something. But she's described, like, the feeling was almost orgasmic. Because that's the way your body kind of... So she continued to fight that, back. Because there are people who are freaks out there. They'll be like, oh... Don't I, chop your darling, legs off. got you a chainsaw. Oh, thank you, Dave. No, Dave buys you a chainsaw. Don't... That's a red flag. <laughs> that's a red flag if I've ever, if I've ever known one. Right. I felt really bad the other day. I was flying over to New York and they asked us put extra children around me because I looked like a nice lady. Did they tell you that's yeah. what they... <laughs> and I was like, I've just finished teaching. I just want a break. <laughs> like... I don't want to have a six-year-old behind me kicking my seat. You, you do look like you'd be kind with children. Though. I am. Yeah. The kids like me. Like, like well, well, your little one's been a bit like, who's this lady? But she's a baby and I won't take it personally. But like in general, I think I'm better with kids than I am with adults. Like yeah. kids like me. I've always, always... Okay, so when I was teaching, I had one kid who was like, you're the nicest teacher I've ever had. And Aww. then I was like, but that's why you're shit. <laughs> like this is my fault why you've not progressed at piano <laughs> I had this one kid who was in year 7 he was just he'd been on the bare necessities for ages and I was just like it just sounds like Baloo's dying painfully <laughs> you said that to yeah. me yeah um, and I was like oh no if you were 14, 15 I could have said that you're 11 yeah I was like oops I'm a terrible teacher I'm, a t- I'm not a terrible person I'm sorry <laughs> you've crushed him he practiced it for a long week oh did he so okay that's all right. So, you, so it's quite interesting. You've gone from teaching music to mm. being on like national radio. Yeah. Um, and do you teach anymore? No, because I've finished now. I want, but I wanted to see my year through with the kids. So I had kids doing exams. So how long were you teaching for? Um, so that's the thing when I moved to America. So I, when I graduated from the academy, I got a teaching assistant job at the University of South Florida. Wow. So I was teaching their music ed undergrads trombone in exchange for my master's degree out there. Didn't like Florida. Sunshine State definitely can still get depressed. Well, it's full of pythons. Alligators. Oh, and alligators too. Alligators, rednecks. It's quite hickey, you know, like... It's just was a bit. I, there was a girl who was living next door to me in the apartment, nursing student. So you know, like educated, you know, like smart girl. Yeah. But like knocks on the door because she'd been going through my Facebook and was like, "Oh my god, you have African Americans in England," and I was just like, 
Look here, this you're gonna this is gonna be a long year with you. <laughs> There's a lot of ignorance. Really long year. It's almost like there are people who think that only black people in the world outside of Africa and in America. Yeah. Which is bizarre. Um, f- for many reasons, most Africans went to, s- to Southern American countries or yeah. the Caribbean. I think a ratio for a ratio of like one to seven was something ridiculous. So why they would think that, I've no idea. Yeah, I mean, I don't think she'd ever left Florida, which isn't, <laughs> you know, like it was just. But, but she had a TV, surely. Yeah, I, I just, I, just a few things. But then I suppose when you realise when you're out there and how expensive it is to travel, like we did, used to have the EU. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, what, 79 <laughs> more days? Uh, like, but if you actually think about it, you don't want to be, like, snobby on terms of money and travel. Right. But you're right, TV, internet, just common sense. Read a like, book. Yeah, yeah. Just, but that didn't happen out there. But, yeah, I found it was some of them. I think it was the first time I heard of the word culture shock, and I thought, I'll be fine. I'm even someone that speaks English. Yeah. And I was like, oh, we're really different. Like, I never put my hand up in class unless I know an answer, whereas I felt like they would put their hands up to give it a go because they think they get points for giving a go oh that's a very American thing isn't yeah. it like yeah take take part and yeah. you know yeah woo yeah <laughs> I just whatever. didn't and it's just like common sense they have to follow rules right even if they're like you're an international student so you have to take an English exam and I'm like what am I speaking so they're like jobs worth yeah that's didn't like that. But that's interesting. So there for you. And why Southern Florida? Was that just the? One I just that? that's just got what I got offered, and I went. I've never lived in another country. It'd be really good to. And it was an experience to live yeah. in another country. And it was they were paying me money, and I was like, well, just graduated. It's a year. Seems like it. an adventure. So you say you got depressed out there. Did yeah. you know beforehand that you were that something wasn't right and you're unhappy? Yeah, I think I was be I was always quite an anxious kid. Like Yeah. So I think I first got told maybe you're depressed was when I was in sixth form. Right. Not my convent school. But it would have made sense. In Parent- your convent school they would have thought that's model behaviour. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, very pious. Yeah, very just kinda of, yeah, it was a convent school. I yeah. I didn't like the convent school or like Catholicism y kind of thing. But I think depression but it's different now because now teenagers and they're all doing mindfulness in primary schools, the ones right. I'm teaching in. But when I was at school, it was like, You're sad? Oh, don't be. <laughs> I never even heard the words like the lexicon of mental health now that you see every day just not visible at all when I was at school when I went through the education system actually so up until up until doing my degree it just wouldn't it it never even occurred to me that a person I knew could become depressed let alone myself yeah Uh, it's stuff that happened to people in EastEnders yeah pretty much our priests, basically, who used to come into my convent school, they was they got we didn't have our year eleven party mm. thing, and they had a mass instead. And I had mistress walks around. <laughs> I know, it was just so many things, you know. And you're like, it's what all the girls from Croydon wanted. We were all just we wanted a party. We I could think it's really funny. There's a convent school in Croydon. <laughs> I just I didn't know. I think there's two. There's two. Why? I don't know. Well, I think because is quite a mixed place as well. So we just had every Catholic kind of like, like Poland, Spain, Goa, right. kind of like everything all in one place. So, so what's still, you have a mass instead of a party. Yeah. And the headman just walked along and was just like, can you uncross your legs? Because when you cross your legs, it rises your skirts up and it distracts the police, uh, the, the, the priest. Um, I think the music world and the, and the, the world of Catholicism is full of 
adults taking advantage of young people you know music that happens they now as a teacher like if i think about it they wouldn't be able to teach like that yeah you have to have windows in your doors yeah and it's just it's just it's always just safeguarding you have to be so careful especially because you end up building that relationship with that child one-on-one if you're giving them a piano lesson or a trumpet lesson yeah and they'll tell you more stuff yeah and then you have to say to the kids you know Safeguarding. If there's anything I'm worried that you might be in danger, I will have to report this. So you have to stop them. Sh- but yeah, it's, there's so many things that go on, so, and it's like with breathing. You know what I mean? I never just touch a kid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That that's gonna be a great little clip that you can take. For, yeah. <laughs> no, I never just touch a kid. You're right. Um, you, have to, you have to ask their consent. You have to say, "I'm going to do this. Is it okay?" Right? Yeah. yeah. Or like, can I just demonstrate on your hand? Yes. Yeah. yeah kind of. No, you actually right. And I think what happens is you get these industries or professions that attract predators because totally. they know, oh, I can be in like a good a good example is football coaching. Yeah. So all these and boxing. Oh yeah. Any any time I see young working class kids and they're attached to a sport and I know there's historic child abuse and we're not really talking about it but why I'm not saying people who want to do these things are all predators and they don't want to help young kids but if you are a predator and you want to be around children these are environments where you are you don't get questioned people think oh you're helping you're helping these poor kids I think what we're saying is like particularly for football okay all I'm saying is these are perfect environments for yeah, predatory people it's the same youthful yeah. Christians and things like that if I think about it I started going out on tour around Europe in youth orchestras when I was about 12 right and because I, I'd gone fast and it was Croydon like yeah most of my peers were 16, 17 right so it's just kind of you're thinking I'm like I started drinking at a very young age see that's a safeguarding issue you should have had a chaperone um, yeah <laughs> yeah or some, someone should have been um, aware of you being around people who could legally have sex yeah I know? shouldn't have been allowed to ride a speedboat in Italy when I was 14. Yeah. How did I get away with that? How did I manage to hire a speedboat? It was the 90s. <laughs> Pretty reckless time. How did we get, get onto this? Um, I can't remember. We're talking Catholics. about teaching. Oh, yeah, Catholics. Yeah, teaching, teaching. Yeah. Do you miss it? Um, when you're fishing, you like. Oh, so okay. I got the radio gig in March and I've been Perry teaching for like a few years now. So doing... So some wider up stuff, so whole ha- like class, but I work for three different councils, so right. Camden, Wandsworth and Wharton Forest. Okay. And so going to different schools. But I wanted, I got the radio thing and I just, but I wanted to see the year out of my kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, of course, yeah. some of them as well, like they've had so many different classroom teachers if the school's not doing well. Yeah. So it has been your, you are for some of them that bit of stability. And I just, yeah. And it's music, they enjoy it, they look yeah, forward to it's it. like my, you know. It was yeah. one of them. I was. I'm getting you through your grade one if it kills me, and it yeah. was. <laughs> but yeah, like I wanted to, but I felt like doing that and then going on tour with Hackney, as well as uh, the radio, as well as doing all the stand up. Is yeah, like I just is. It was too much. Yeah. So I'm gonna not go out at all anymore. Uh, you know, and you're kind of like I, I. I did my trip to New York, and I'm gonna just really focus. Something I had to give, and I can't. I didn't want stand up to go. Yeah, that that makes sense. Yeah. I think you've given back enough. How long do you teach for? How many years? God, man, how long have I been doing it? Like seven. Yeah, yeah, I've done enough. That's I've spectacular. Done. And also, you can always go back to it. You can teach my child. <laughs> um, how many instruments do you play? 
Uh, professionally, I only got out gig on a trombone, but teaching, I was teaching piano. Yeah. Because uh, I've done all my grades in piano and stuff, singing and um, all the brass. Okay, so that's good. So you could teach my child if you, if you miss if you miss teaching. Be uh, like, how good are you blowing raspberries? <laughs> she's quite good at raspberries. She Brilliant. spends all night going... Brass player already. Three, three in the morning, she'll do that. It's like a lot of fun. Um, no, it's no fun at all. I'm sorry. <laughs> but she's good at raspberries. comedy um, yeah. but let's talk a little bit just to finish up a little bit you do stand up but musical stand up yeah so when I started I was too nervous about speaking right like definitely there's an anxiety thing the only reason I started getting into comedy is because my nerves had got so bad at music college right I was like I need to stop shaking and I can't just take beer poppers like it was like whiplash but over six years was my you know it was just kind of like for those who don't know whiplash is an incredible movie about a drummer who basically plays until his fingers bleed yeah it would have um, been a very boring movie if they did it about a classical trombonist <laughs> but like yeah um, it was just a bit intense so I started doing a comedy and I did mine right a clowny thing without any training and having gone to Gollier or right. anything you know and you're just like oh how hard can it be you know, so, I mean, just got a charm of get your rat out at the comedy store, smashing it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, then I started doing a stand up, but I just did it with the trombone. Okay, I remember John Bishop telling me to do it with the trombone, and I don't know why I thought I knew better for the first year to not do it with the trombone. I don't think I ever saw you doing mine. Yeah, probably a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no one, I didn't respect myself at that period of time. You know, when you were talking about mental health earlier, that was not a good year. Yeah. I love being part, I think music's the most metaphysical of art forms. What does that mean? Um, I think it can provoke different emotions in you in a way that you don't quite understand or verbalise. I can't say exactly why no. that piece of music makes me want to cry. It's like how music can make you see colours. Yeah. Or, yeah. It's like another language of your brain. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah music is very, and it, it's something that's such a community thing as well isn't it it's like we've got two things music and sport right that i think you can go to any country around the world but the thing i like about humor is and comedy is that instant reaction with a crowd yeah. that you can get and also it's all in my head like if i muck it up it's only me if i screw up in a band i feel really bad for everyone else yeah it's like, <laughs> who's playing that bum note but, yeah. yeah and also with, with stand-up i find that sometimes i perform and i don't perform as well as i'd like like maybe i miss out a joke or i miss a beat and my cadence is wrong my yeah. diction is wrong but the audience don't know because they don't know what i've got in my head that i've got planned for them they just know what they've heard yeah and they just know whether they like it or not and i like the way comedy's taught me to just chill out like and not this you know lie awake at night agonizing over like a forgotten topper yeah. or callback or something yeah because sometimes I just find like you just even chatting and you change things up doing the free shows last night at Angel yeah. I just started changing up my order a little bit Angel's, so Angel's Comedy Club in North London yeah I'm, I'm, I'm pretending like I've got people listening to this like outside of London <laughs> like for all my fans in New Zealand uh, I know sir I, I, that was really bad broadcasting <laughs> on me my part like Faye you need to it's a time and a place you need to say <laughs> lesser than this okay so it's quite it's amazing that you got into broadcasting what's the biggest lesson it's taught you doing this new thing that's could be like an amazing provide an amazing future for you what was the biggest lesson you had libel libel <laughs> <laughs> libel yeah I can't say Gary Barr is a tax evader on the radio but he is not one <laughs> he is definitely not one he's definitely not one can't, um, I just you know what I mean you can't make jokes 
that are yeah. anything. Um, and don't call Richard Wagner a fuckwit on Twitter like I did. If people want to get involved, how can they find you? They, you can find me on my own Twitter, personal Twitter, at Faye Tracy. That's T, uh, T-R-E-A-C-Y. That's how I spell my surname. And Faye with an E. Or you can contact me on my website or say hi via Scala. Yes, you can download the app on DAB, and digital radio. We've got to listen to you. So on digital radio, that was a very radio Yes, voice. DAB your, digital radio. In your best radio voice, tell us when you're on Scala, what time, what day. Okay, so I am on Saturday and Sunday evenings between 6 and 8. And you can find me on DAB. You can download the app or you can find us online, www.scala.co.uk. And I think we even have a Sky channel now, which is 0264. And we have a YouTube channel. I've got three subscribers. You've just got three more listeners. Thank you for coming. (laughs) Thank you very much for having me. (laughs) So that was Faye Tracy. Isn't she fantastic? We didn't cover this in our chat, but I've actually seen her play a butternut squash. And I do believe she did use the contents of the squash to cook something with as well. That was the main concern, that she didn't waste the vegetable. But anyway, that tells you all you need to know about her. She's fantastic. I'm so pleased she made it down. If you enjoyed it, you can like this, you can rate this, you can comment on it, you can subscribe, you can share, you can do whatever you do with podcasts you like. But the best thing you can do is stay in touch with me and listen to the next one. See you next time.